and special music and Elroy bringing, uh, I feel like we already had our message today. Praise the Lord, thank you so much for that preparation. Yeah. Oh, you dismissed? Yeah, well, go ahead and go, and, and I'll, uh, and Todd and I will stay here for, for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, 34 years ago, I mentioned, uh, and Doris, it's your, it's your birthday on this day? No, Christmas Day, Christmas Day. Well, 34 years ago today, our son Tom uh, made his arrival, and, and we were in, uh, in in Colorado and living in Aurora, and um, I had just come back from Gillette, Wyoming after working on an oil rig there 24-7. Um, it was very cold. Pauline had gone into false labor, I don't know, I think maybe three or four times, called the midwives and, and uh, held off until I got home and then went into labor, and midwives came, and just a couple of minutes, just one push, they arrived in the bedroom. We had Tom. We had our son Tom at home on the 23rd of December, 1984. And uh, on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, I had a piano delivered to the house for Pauline as a present because he has been a musician. 25th, we had Christmas. And on the 26th, I got a phone call from a fellow I'd been working with in the oil field uh, for two and a half years. And he said, uh, you're done. He said, I'm, le I'm letting you go. And I said, w what do you mean? It's Christmas. And he, and he said, well, he said, I'll pay you through the end of the year, you know, which is just a few more days. And I, so when we come and think about him uh, being the Prince of Peace and that he is our peace, at that time, I can't say that when Tommy was born, there was a tremendous sense of love and joy and hope and peace in the home, you know, when our neighbors came by and just saw Tom all wrapped up after he'd been born and in the bed with Pauline. And, and it's really neat to have the neighbors be able to walk in and see him. But I can't say that I had peace when I heard about getting let go. And, uh, but praise the Lord, uh, I, had, I had met a fellow with, with Motorola Communications and the next thing you know, and a few months later, we moved to Northwest Montana and um, we stayed there, we raised our children there, we spent a total of 15 and a half years there, the longest we've ever stayed in any place. We did move a few times when we were there, but because we've moved over 30 times in 41 years of marriage. That's too much moving. Um, but uh, I did not have the peace of Christ in me, even after getting the job with Motorola and even moving, moving to Montana, knowing I had a very good company to work with, very secure job. Um, I was miserable for the next year and a half. And of course, some of you have heard my testimony where Larry and Cinder Grubb kept inviting me. Others, and there's a whole list of people that were involved in trying to uh, bring us. We had accepted Christ, but boy, I had wandered away. And it wasn't until September 7th, 1986, that we finally went to a church service. And September 14th was really the day when I bowed my knee to Christ, and at that time I can remember a sense of peace. Um, at the time, uh, we still have to work through all the financial debt and uh, the ridiculous things you do when you wander away from God. Um, but he is our Prince of Peace, and so this having, you know, being the day of Tom's birth and the day we're celebrating the Prince of Peace and 
and we're coming close to what we celebrate as Christ's birthday. Uh, I, d I don't think any of us can really imagine uh, what it would be like to be those shepherds that, that went to Bethlehem and saw him in a stable in a, in a feeding trough, having been born with a very young girl and Joseph there. Can you imagine? And this is God. This is, this is, this is our Lord Jesus Christ who finally has, has come to this world and he intends to be our peace and to bring us, up, it bring us peace. And the, the passage of scripture, everyone I believe, most, probably most churches across this country, across this world, are looking at Isaiah 9, 6 today. If they're not doing it today, they're doing it sometime over the Christmas season. I want to read that to you. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We need to look at uh, verse 7 as well. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever. And I love this last part of that verse. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He's going to perform the work that he came to do. Isn't that so true? There's different names that he's given there. The I Isaiah has given him. And if you, some of your translations may have wonderful counselor, comma, some of them would have wonderful comma, counselor, comma, mighty God, comma, everlasting Father, comma, Prince of Peace, each tremendous names. And I want us to look at those names and then consider how those names uh, come to a place at the end where he says the Prince of Peace so that he can be your peace at this Christmas time. We've all gone through different things this year. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have maybe we lost our jobs. Some of us probably yeah, I know we've got jobs and we're just so excited and thrilled. But everyone's in different places. But God is at work. And it's not always like, like Elroy said, the outward. It's the inward where he wants to give us peace. So his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I, I want us to look at this, this idea of him being wonderful, and I, I'm going to uh, uh, cheat a little bit this morning and um, look in a book that I've st I study on these different names. And this name, wonderful, the meaning of it, mean mar meaning marvelous, astonishing. Now you think about that. This child born in a, in a manger, born to a, a Mary, at such a time as this, at the perfect time, in the fullness of time, his birth is marvelous. His, his conception is marvelous. He's the only, only child born without an earthly father. His father is God himself, the Holy Spirit. He came upon Mary. And, and astonishing. You think about that. When, it, when Isaiah said, he's pro prophesying here in Isaiah of his, of his birth, and he says his name his name shall be astonishing, wonderful, 
It's going to be marvelous, astonishing. The Son of God born in a manger, in a stable, and the first person people called to go see him as shepherds out in a field. Now, isn't that astonishing? And isn't it marvelous to think of him in that sense? His birth was wonderful. And then when he grew up and he began to teach, his teaching was astonishing, marvelous, amazing. No one, no one, the the Bible says, speaks like him with the authority that, that he has. And, you know, he is the living breath of God. And his word will not return void. That's what our Bible says. It his word is going to accomplish what it's intended to accomplish. And so when we go out, even ourselves, in, in our neighborhoods and in our homes, and we begin to speak the word of God into people's lives, into our friends' lives, that word is not going to return void. That's what makes it so wonderful. That what's, that's what makes it so marvelous. That's what makes it astonishing to us to think that we can quote some scripture out of the Bible to our friends and to our neighbors. And it will astonish you as to its results. Now, all of us at one time, at some place, have been astonished by what the Word of God has done in our lives. I have. When I finally received it by faith, received Jesus by faith, His teaching was wonderful. As the Scripture says, never man spake like this man. No one spoke like him. And also that his words will not pass away. They try to burn this Bible. They try to demolish this Bible. Communism tries to get rid of the Bible. And it's still here today and it will be here forever. His word of God. That's his name, wonderful. And his character is wonderful and astonishing and and amazing because No one had a character like Jesus. Jesus didn't have to repent of his sin because he was sinless. When he was on the cross, he bore our sin, not his. The government will be on his shoulders. The government, the rule, the dominion, all authority, all the sin on his shoulders, on the cross. Now, isn't that wonderful? Now, isn't that astonishing? Isn't that marvelous? We sing songs about that, don't we? And then, just this is just the one name wonderful, and we're here today celebrating the fact that he's the Prince of Peace and that he is our peace. But until we grasp what Isaiah is trying to tell us in these wonderful names that he has, that he's been given, that, he, that, that, he, that enthroned him, I don't know that we can get to that place of the Prince of Peace. We have to go through these places and say, yes, I've met him. Because not only was his birth wonderful and his teaching wonderful and his character wonderful without sin, but his death and resurrection. Can, can you see where Isaiah is using this word? And it can be translated, could be translated marvelous, astonishing, astonishing. God on the cross. Dying for you and me. Not only a study, marvelous. Wonderful, as ugly as it is. Because without it, we have no life everlasting. And so in his death and resurrection, hey, there were miracles performed. People have been risen from the dead, but they had to die again. 
Jesus rose from the dead and he lives forever. Now, when he's our Lord and our Savior, the good news is the thing, the hope that we can hold on to is when we die and for our loved ones that have gone on before us, if they know Christ, we're going to see him again because they live forever. <laughs> is that not wonderful? Is that not astonishing? Does that not, does that not cause people that don't know Christ to marvel, to question even? Well, that's what he is. And he's not finished yet. His name, wonderful, is going to be astonishing. That somehow, how can it be so amazing, so marvelous, so astonishing that when he returns, this is what they were told, we'll all see him. Now, how's that going to be? Now, maybe if you're a flat earth person, you can say, well, if I stood up tall enough, I could see him in the distance. It's a round earth. Somehow, he, when he returns, it's going to be so marvelous, so wonderful, so astonishing. We'll all see him. And he says he's coming back. He says he's coming back. And his words will not pass away. His word will not return void. We need to expect him, anticipate him. And that gives us hope. When we're down... Now, that's just one name. And, uh, and then he comes to counselor. There's, you know, the Bible tells us with many counselors comes success. But it also tells us if we hit the, the wrong counsel, we can over, be, be overcome by it and be in a worse state than before we got the counsel. But with Jesus, his counsel is always right. It comes from the right place, the right heart, because he's God. And we're to look to him for counsel. We find his counsel in his word. We find his counsel through one another. When the Holy Spirit is speaking through one of you to me, I need to listen. When you've been close to him and you've accepted him and you have him and you meditate in the word and you think, this is, this is a word for Nigel. And you go bring it. He's a marvelous counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a perfect counselor. I think I'm going to just move through these really quick, if we can. You think about him being a counselor, and then he's a mighty God. Mighty God. Moving mountains. A miracle worker. Raising from the dead. Mighty, indeed. Mighty in his love. Have you experienced him like that? Is that the kind of God that you, you have? Think of that. The Bible throughout Scripture keeps telling us that He's a great God and Savior, that he, he was the mighty one of Israel, the mighty one of Jacob, the one mighty to save. These are all Scriptures. And Isaiah is naming these as a list. And sometimes we can just read over it and sing even through the songs and not really delve into what does all this mean? And an everlasting Father, there is no beginning, there's no end to Him. There is no, we can't find a beginning to Him. There is no beginning, no end. He's an everlasting one. When you put your trust in Him, He doesn't die tomorrow. He's living today and tomorrow and forever for you. This wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, and then he says, the Prince of Peace. Because when we enter into the relationship with God, we come into a kingdom which is his own. A new kingdom. A wonderful kingdom. A 
kingdom of Almighty God. As I started looking at this, I started thinking about his rule and his dominion being established at the cross. And I just want to give you some scriptures here that, uh, that will help us understand. These are scriptures you know, but Ephesians 1, for example, if you go to Ephesians 1 and you look at verse 22 is, is, is one of the verses. But in order to do that, when I was looking at this this week, I started thinking, oh my, we can't just read 1.22. Because we have to look at this, what this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father has accomplished. And Paul, as he writes to the Ephesians, says, starts out in verse 15 of chapter 1, when he says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, to understand him as this counselor, as this wonderful counselor, as this mighty God, as this everlasting Father. And, and Paul is praying for the church that you get revelation of him. And that the eyes of your understanding, verse 18, being enlightened, that you may know what is the, the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, we don't know this until we bow our knee to him, until we come to him and say, Lord, I'm tired of running away from you. And verse 19 says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? That mighty God power that amazing God power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And then he says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power. Now isn't that, isn't that uh, astonishing? Amazing? Wonderful? Power, might, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the, that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Verse 21, far above the power of might and dominion. He's over everything. That's the government. It's going to be on his shoulders. And the increase of his government and peace is going to be no end. When Jesus was on the earth, he says, and all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Matthew eleven twenty seven says that. All things have been handed over. So I, I, am gonna, I am the ruler. I am gonna have dominion over these because they've been handed to me by my Father, delivered to me, committed to me. When he came in that baby in, the, in, in that feed trough, put all things under his feet. And Ephesians 2, 6 tells us that he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that, you can't, don't tell me that's, you, that doesn't astonish you, marvel you, w make you wonder. I mean, really, this is language that just, it, it doesn't make human sense. But God's work when he came to the, as a babe was to say, I'm going to give you wisdom and revelation and you're going to see this that the things that you struggle with, you're going to have power over. I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to be that mighty God. I'm going to be that everlasting Father. And that old devil, the serpent, Satan, when, when man fell, Genesis 
God told us right there that the Jesus that was going to come is going to bruise the head of this of Satan. And he did say that, that Satan would bruise his heel. That was the picture of what's going to be on the cross. Yeah, you're just going to bruise his heel, Satan, but he's going to put his heel on your head. And he will not have dominion over man anymore when I go to the cross. And Isaiah 9, 7 says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Accomplish what? The cross, the things that went on the cross. In Isaiah 9, 7, when he says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it, in Luke 12, 50, we looked at this, oftentimes I look at this at, at Easter, where Jesus says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed I am till it's accomplished or how limited or how straightened I am. Not until I go to the cross. I'm, I'm born in this manger. I'm born in this stable. I am God in the flesh. But I have a pathway to go through. I have a place to go to. I have a goal to go. And in the process of, of time, we'll see miracles. We'll see people healed. Blind men will be seen. Lame men will be walking. But ultimately, the place that I've got to go is the cross because I am wonderful. I'm the wonderful counselor. I am the mighty God. I am the everlasting father and I am the prince of peace and, and I came to give my people peace and the only way they're going to have peace is when, is when I go to the cross and I die. And then and when we come to give our lives to Christ, when we recognize that this, this, this God, this Jesus, is this counselor, is this wonderful, and is this mighty God, he is this everlasting Father. And when I come to that place, just like I did, finally, even though I'd accepted Christ, but I really didn't go deep, I didn't get grounded with it. But I tell you what, in September 14th, oh, not that it hasn't been... You know, not that I've had to, not had to go back to Christ and continue to have Christ work in me, but oh my, when I bowed my knee that day, there was a salvation that came over me. There was a peace that I had with God because I stopped fighting Him. I stopped running away from Him. I stopped being angry. A, a lot of frustration was taken away. Then God began to work in, in my life and in Pauline's life and God began to put the pieces together back into our life. When you have peace with God and, and through your salvation, there's just a different walk in your spirit. There's a different approach to life. People see you and they know that there's, there's something different about you. What is it? And you can tell them. I met, I met a wonderful God. I met a God that's counseling me perfectly. I met a God that's mighty to save. I met a God that's never going to leave me nor forsake me. I met a God that the work he began in me is continuing it on, and he will forever. I had peace with God. But God wants to do another work and a deeper work. And we, talk, we call it in, in our church and the, these banners we have on the wall, Yes, we can meet him as our savior and he can be wonderful and he can be that counselor. He can be that mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace. But the, but the peace with God comes through salvation, but the peace of God comes as he's, as he's our sanctifier. That's a big word, isn't it? Let me read you a scripture or you can go to it yourself. 
This is oftentimes Michael bring it to at uh, when we close as a benediction. You might be thinking of it today. First Thessalonians five twenty three. And if he is, that's all right, because we don't we could use this word over and over. But first first Thessalonians five, you look at here, when he's coming to the end. First Thessalonians five twenty three. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. That he himself is going to sanctify you completely. See, salvation, yes, we, before God, we stand before God completely clean. And if you died when you accepted him, if you died right there on the spot, without a real deep work of sanctification in your life, through all the things, the garbage you've, you've worked, you've gone through, you're off to heaven. You stand before him and say, how can you stand here in heaven before me? Because I accepted you as my Lord and Savior at the cross. But as long as Christ has us living here on this earth, we have to deal with all the garbage in life. We have to deal with pink slips, layoffs, loss of life, sickness, liver transplants, strokes, pneumonia. The list goes on and on and on that we have to deal with. And so God says, look, yes, you came to me, you got saved. But now I want to not only have you have peace with me, I want you to have the peace of me, which we call it the peace of God. And that's what sanctification brings. When, you, when, when God is dedicated to you and you're dedicated to him, and, and it's a process, but he says in Thessalonians that he's going to do it completely. I want to sanctify you completely. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body is going to be preserved blameless when Jesus comes back. That's what God wants to do. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now I want you to think about that. When you hear that, when you hear that, that's just the, that's the psalmist speaking. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's wonderful. That's astonishing. What it's telling you is, is that as God begins to sanctify you, as you begin sanctified completely, nothing's going to offend you. Who, have you been offended this week? Any of your family members offended you this week? Any situations at work offended you this week? Any, anybody? Anybody in here that is still walking through life holding on to offenses? Well, you don't have the peace of God. You have peace with God. But the peace of God that comes in your spirit, that settles you down, that gives you such peace that it's so astonishing, it's so marvelous. And you're going to find it in Jesus, and if you don't have it, that's, he's the one that wants to come and, and fill you up with him completely, not partially, completely. John 16, says that in me you may have peace, 
Elroy quoted this verse, I believe, this morning. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Your offenses, he's overcome them. John 14, 27, again, that was another quote, I believe. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, when you look at Isaiah and you say, well, that's that, I, 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 boy, if that ever happens to me, I'm going to shout out, wonderful. I'm going to shout out, counselor. I'm going to shout out these words because I will be experiencing it. And God wants you to experience it through his Holy Spirit. Because unto you, unto us, a child is born. And unto us, a son is given. And the government the dominion, the rule will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful. You will call his name Wonderful. You will call his name Counselor. You will call him a mighty God and an everlasting Father and you will be able to proclaim in truth, looking at yourself in the mirror, looking at your friends, he's the Prince of Peace, man. He is God of my life. Because he wants to give you peace. And he does it. By bruising the head of the serpent on the cross. By coming and bringing you life and peace through the cross. And a complete sanctification through his work. Through the Holy Spirit. I've always meditated on a verse that is one of my favorites. And it's Isaiah 32, 17. Because it tells me that when God is at work in me, when God is filling me up, when I see him as wonderful, when I embrace him as my counselor, when I receive him as the mighty God, when I have faith in him as the everlasting father, when I proclaim him as the prince of peace, I can see this verse at work. He says the fruit of righteousness will be peace. Just think of that. This child born in a manger, this God himself, with a baptism he needed to undergo to give his life for us so that we can have life and have it to the full. And when I receive him into my life and that sanctifying work begins to really truly sanctify me more completely, the goal is complete sanctification. And in that process of time, all of a sudden the seed of God is going to be put in your heart and the fruit of God is going to be righteousness and it's going to be peace. The fruit of righteousness is going to be peace. And then it says in that verse, the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Think of that. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to have peace and have the effect of the righteousness of God coming into your spirit, quieting you and giving you confidence forever? I can't imagine anybody not wanting that. But you, 
it may have to astonish you. You, you may have to see him as this wonderful cou- and, and, and counselor. Have you seen him like that? Do you know him like that? When you have, this was what's going to happen to you. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And in closing, in Hebrews, in Hebrews 6.17, I just love, I'm, I'm kind of going into the middle of a verse, but he says, The immutability of his counsel. There's the immutability of his counsel as our counselor. That we can look at this, these verses that we read today and know that all things are going to work together for the good of those who love God. Nothing is, that's happened in your life is going to be wasted on what God wants to accomplish in your life. So we went to Montana and Tommy was just a little tiny baby and, and I still had a lot of problems and I was still fighting against God and I was upset about the way I was let go. We had a brand new house we purchased in Colorado. We put all our money into it. Rather than going into a great deal of detail, we had a wonderful neighbors there that walked with us and prayed for us. Um, we ended up, um, we did sell the house, and the realtor told me when I got a check, I think it was for $147, that I should be grateful that w- the house sold. And so we moved into a mobile home in, in, in the country in West Valley, in Montana, in Calspell. And we began to, I still didn't walk with God. Still had a lot of problems and still out, like a lot of people are in our community now doing other things on Friday and other things on Saturday and certainly not going to church on Sunday. But all the time there were people that believed in God. They believed in Him being being wonderful. They believed in Him being amazing. They believed that God would astonish them as they invited me to church. They believed that when they prayed on Wednesday nights like we've been doing here in our church for you and for friends that that will come up, that God will move into their lives as that mighty God. Yes, he will. That he will move into their lives as the counselor, drawing them to him, even if they don't know him. And that ultimately, he's going to bring peace into people's lives because he, that's his goal, to bring us peace quietness and confidence forever. If you don't have it, go to Christ and tell him he wants you to have it. There's an old song we used to sing uh, years ago, and I don't know if you sang it here or not. Did you sing He Is Our Peace? Did you ever sing that song? He is our peace Who has broken down every wall He is our peace. He is our peace. Do you know it? He is our peace who has broken down every wall. He is our peace. He is our peace. 
cast all your cares on him, cause he cares for you. He is our peace. He is our peace. I always look at Pauline and smile because she's like, hmm. But if you'll cast all your cares on him, he is going to care for you. He's actually already done it. He's just waiting for you to embrace it. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Because he's a counselor. And he's wonderful. And he's mighty. He's everlasting. And he is the Prince of Peace. And he is your peace. When you lay yourself in his lap and ask for him to fill you up. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh Lord, I just pray that the words that were spoken, the scriptures that were read, would not return void. They would do the very thing we just talked about. And that you would be our peace. And as we cast our cares on you, even at this Christmas time, for those of us who have lost loved ones, those of us who are struggling in some way, Father, those of us that really have been fighting you in the dark, and we cannot say we have a quiet confidence Maybe we got a pink slip this Christmas. Maybe we got laid off and we don't, we're without work. And we don't know what the future holds. But Lord, I just pray that if anyone's in those kinds of circumstances, that they would know that you're the one that holds the future. And I pray, Lord, that all of us would just give ourselves to you. And I pray, Father, for us as a church, as we take out our invitations to our family, to our friends, to come out here on Christmas Eve, to hear the Christmas story read, to sing the songs around that manger, to fellowship together, to encourage one another, to, to recognize you as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. May there be evidence of those truths about you in homes that have never experienced that this Christmas because we're going to invite people to come and hear a word that is everlasting, that will never fail, that will never return void, that will accomplish what your word intends to accomplish. Help us to do that as a church body and then work in our own hearts so that we can have that peace and that quiet confidence with you. In Jesus' name, amen.